Good evening. Welcome to Driving Theology. This is Mike, and uh, this is going to be an uh, evening edition. I'm actually leaving uh, to return home. Actually, I'm not going to go straight home. I'm going to go work out. But anyway, it's an evening edition on Wednesday, uh, September 11th. Um, big, big day. In fact, this may be my first September 11th edition. Uh, it has been, I believe, let me see, 2001. Uh, it's been 18 years since the attacks on the World Trade Center. Um, and so, yeah, I think, I think I'm going to talk about that today. It's uh, I, I was in Japan uh, on September 11th. Uh, sorry, yeah, yeah, September 11th, 2001. I think I just said 2011. September 11th, 2001, uh, I was in Japan teaching English um, when the attack happened. Uh, if you don't know, Japan is... Uh, anywhere from, I don't know, maybe 12 to 14 or 15 hours ahead of mainland USA. <clears throat> and so I had just finished teaching evening classes. I used to teach till about 9 or a little after 9. I, was, I went out to dinner with some of the students, some of the adult students. I think I was about 33 at the time, 32 or 33 years old when the attacks happened and I was here in Japan and so I think my wife called she was at home watching the news and she uh, called me right away uh, to let me know what was going on and I don't remember if I had to wait till I got home then to see uh, what what was going on or maybe wherever the restaurant we were at maybe they brought out a TV and we watched it there I just can't remember uh, when I started seeing the footage um, from the uh, from New York, um, I was a pretty different person then. This was just after uh, what I would call my spiritual awakening, a couple years after, uh, which began in about 1999. Uh, I would say that my my conversion actually took place around then, uh, my actual conversion. Um, <clears throat> of course, I've, you know, a lot of things have changed since then. But at the time, I, I, you know, I, I grew up in a family where my, my dad, um, he was, I believe he was drafted, but he had registered as a conscientious, conscientious objector and so he did not have to go to Vietnam my father was very much against violence um, against the use of uh, uh, armies and, and things like that he didn't believe that Christians should um, should be involved in such things and that way he's kind of a throwback to uh, the earliest Christians in many ways. The earliest Christians were very much anti-violence. And so I was brought up in a family 
that um, did not glorify the military, um, who who theologically, more or less, we we disagreed with the um, the policies of war. I guess is the best way to put it, and I think it would have been for any country. Um, um, we didn't feel like, and, and I don't think my dad ever imposed this on anybody else, but he, in good conscience, could not um, kill. And so he, yeah, I think he instilled that in me. And I, thinking back on it now, I'm, I'm quite um, grateful that I had a father who took such an, an unpopular stance um, and stuck with his guns, uh, so to speak. <laughs> it's kind of an ironic term in that situation, but uh, yeah, uh, and and that's stayed with me, and I've never felt the pull toward the military in any way. Um, now, part of that uh, is is I think religious. And part of that's because you know I'm 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 kind of an artist. I'm almost by definition not a rule follower. Uh, I'm a little bit more of a uh, I don't know what you call it, but some people might call it a free spirit or something like that. I'm not sure how people would define me, but uh, in my own mind, that's how I see myself. I I I would not do well um, as an enlisted man, for example. So back to 2011, when this happened, uh, I actually did not um, condemn the actions of America in retaliating against Iraq and Afghanistan. Because in my mind, what they were doing was, was they were policing the world. That's how I kind of justified it. Well, this isn't, a, this isn't a, a, an... You know, an offensive uh, aggression, active aggression. It's it's defensive in nature. It's it's sort of like a policing uh, of the world for the world by America, uh, and that's kind of how I justified it in my mind. Although the anti-violent part of me um, was very uncomfortable uncomfortable with. Uh, President Bush's rhetoric at the time, and he t he talked about uh, swift retribution, and and it just seemed very petty to me. Like, you know, either either it's a policing action or it's retaliation. It, it can't be both. Like, it has to be one or the other. If we are, you know, policing policing um, terrorists for the world, then. Let's do that, but retribution, that kind of um, word, you know, has, uh, you know, the connotations of vengeance, vengeance and payback. And, uh, I, I was uncomfortable with that and said so. I said I, I didn't think that kind of rhetoric should be coming out of the president. Um, but still, on some level, I understood and maybe even condoned 
uh, our troops doing what they did at the time. Uh, because I did not have a solid uh, theology of nonviolence. Um, it was just kind of a feeling, right? Uh, whereas today, I think I can make a pretty good case the, the, uh, theologically um, that Christians should not um, participate in war in any way um, and I think I think one of my previous podcasts uh, I'd be rehashing some of it if I um, by saying this but uh, I think it has to do with the fact that war is of the flesh it is of the world uh, it is it exists to achieve the goals of man and the goals of God are not and cannot be achieved by war. Although I believe God has used war in the past to make something good, right? Um, I don't believe that that war in any way is uh, God's will. I think it's it's as anti-Christ as you can get, right? The idea of using violence or the threat of violence to get to get what you want, even if those things are good things, right? Um, which is which is why I also no longer uh, support the death penalty. And actually, if I'm honest, I would say most incarceration I don't support. Um, except in the case of, in cases of uh, extreme, impulsive, violent behavior where to protect others or to protect people from themselves, we may incarcerate them. Um, that, that is for their own good and the good of others. Um, but the death penalty or punitive incarceration, I don't believe helps. I don't believe it does anything to deter crime uh, or to answer the urges that we have um, to do bad things. Uh, and, so, and for some people, those urges are incredibly strong. Uh, for some people, I suppose it's more uh, thoughts and and uh, you know things that are almost socially so socially acceptable evils, for example, greed or you know jealousy or things like this. But there are evils that are not socially access, um, acceptable, for example, theft or murder. These kinds of things, um, and some some you know evil things are becoming more socially acceptable. Uh, I would say that adultery has, is more socially acceptable now than it perhaps it was at one time, where it may have been even punishable by death or at least by imprisonment. Um, so, yeah, the line between right and wrong is drawn and redrawn uh, from generation to generation. Um, but... <clears throat> That doesn't mean that that 
Christians should ride that wave, that we should be uh, tossed this way and that and change our beliefs freely as, as society does. Um, and so looking at the idea of violence from Jesus and into the Sorry, I had a long day. I'm trying to yawn. Uh, from Jesus and into the apostles and disciples and the writers of the, the New Testament and into some of the early church founders, uh, for example, uh, uh, Origen and, uh, and others, um, we see that the early church um, took a radical nonviolence stance. Uh, they refused to, for example, fight in the army uh, or settle any kind of scores or disputes by violence. Um, they were, by definition, nonviolent. In fact, you could argue that to belong to Christ means you are nonviolent by definition. That's because Jesus uh, was utterly nonviolent in the way that he dealt with people and in the ways that he solved the problems that he, that he uh, observed in the people uh, of Palestine in, in the first century. Um, so, yeah, for, for me now, having a better theology that supports nonviolence uh, I feel like I can I can see violence for what it actually is, and what it is is uh, a a way to solve problems that is uh, completely congruent with uh, Satan and evil and his ways, right? using violence or the threat of violence is, is completely a tool of the devil, right? Jesus said it's the thief who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life. Um, everything about Jesus is life-affirming and life-giving. Um, that, to me, is about as good a definition of Jesus as you can find life right? Uh, live and let live <laughs> um, is another way of looking at that kind of that kind of policy of nonviolence. Now as Christians it's quite difficult for us to hold our uh, governments accountable for their violence. It's not an easy thing because we belong to those governments and in some way, shape, or form, we are subject to them. Um, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't try, and it certainly means that we should not participate in the violence. Now, if you are uh, worshiping at the foot of Uncle Sam, and you are uh, a you know, diehard American patriot, um, a.k.a. nationalist, then of course you'll see that if America didn't fight the wars, America may not be who it is today. That that perhaps America uh, Americans would have been killed as opposed to uh, killing other people. That uh, Europe, World War II, for example, without America's help, perhaps Hitler uh, 
and his regime and Nazis would still be ruling most of Europe to this day, and who knows uh, whether or not they would have come across the Atlantic um, and become a huge, uh, scary empire. Of course, uh, I acknowledge that that's a possibility, yes. That if we don't stand up against evil, uh, evil will um, have its way. And I believe that is the case to an extent, right? Uh, there's no way not to acknowledge that. There are consequences for not being violent, the same way there are consequences for being violent. But I keep coming back to what Jesus said. Basically the idea that violence begets violence. He who lives by the sword will die by the sword. In other words, uh, by America solving its problems with violence or the threat of violence, we invite violence to continually challenge us. And so it becomes this self-perpetuating system of threat and violence, threat and violence, threat and violence, and we never are delivered from that, right? Once we decide that we are going to be in the world through violence, then that is the system we now must adhere to, right? We either ha we have to be stronger than everybody else to survive, and we have to continually develop new weapons because the the new weapons and new methods, right? Uh, because that's what the enemy is doing, and so this system that America is in right now, where violence is deployed to solve international disputes, well, even even domestic disputes. Um, exists because we chose to play that game, right? And so we are reaping what we sowed. We sowed violence in the world and we reap violence. The British Empire sowed violence and they reaped violence. Um, the Ottomans, same thing, right? Uh, the Holy Roman Empire, France, Portugal, Spain, uh, Rome, Greece, Babylon, Persia, every empire, not to mention Genghis Khan uh, and Attila the Hun and all of these, uh, all of these uh, empires and emperors who chose violence as their modus operandi to get what they wanted in the world, uh, they have all met a violent end, right? Violence, stronger violence came up because they were in the violence game, right? That's how they were going to play it. Um, and I won't sit here and say that if, if America suddenly decides that they are not going to uh, solve international disputes by uh, violence or the, th or the threat of violence, if they suddenly decide that, I'm not going to tell you that there will not be there will not be repercussions that that America won't be attacked by other nations. Turn on your light, dork. That wasn't very kind. How come people drive around with no lights on? It's just dumb. So, yeah. Um, there's a lot of police around here. Um, 
so when 9-11 happened, I, at that point, you know, I still kind of embraced violence as a way to police the world, but I would not have embraced um, aggressive takeover, um, you know, conqueror type violence. But uh, unfortunately, America has kind of become that in a lot of ways. And they don't only do it on, on the physical front. There's economic violence and sanctions and things like this. Uh, there are other levels uh, on which America operates to get what they want in the world, and they're violent in their own ways. And I suppose I would uh, characterize violence as that system in which people try to overpower uh, an individual or uh, or an entity to get what they want, right? Um, and that can be in any realm. That can be psychological. Uh, it can be uh, even spiritual, right? There are all kinds of ways to be violent. <clears throat> and I think economic is certainly uh, a way that you can be violent in the world. I think this is how most businesses are run. Um, yeah, so last week I did a podcast on, um, I haven't posted it yet, I'll have to post that one before I post this one. I'll try to post that one tonight when I get back home. Um, on Brian Zahn's book, uh, Postcards from Babylon. Great book, I highly recommend it. Um, Brian Zond is one of the uh, few voices out there who are brave enough to critique uh, America and and her her violent ways <clears throat> uh, while remaining American. <laughs> uh, so I kind of forgot where I was going with that. Um, that book is, of course, um, helping me remember how I was when 9-11 first happened. It's, it's kind of given, given me some perspective. And it, of course that book has given voice to my um, nonviolent uh, proclivities already, uh, or you know, given me perspective on why I think nonviolence is the way to go. But you know, I'm not the only one. I mean, there were many, many people who believed that a nonviolent course to better uh, yourself or to better others uh, was the best way to go. Um, Martin Luther King is is one of the, the most prominent and even though he did not live by the sword he was killed by the sword. He, he was murdered um, violently and many people who were trying to go the nonviolent course were were killed um, but Jesus is the first one of those, right? Uh, Jesus is is the patron patron saint. <laughs> it's kind of weird to think of it. The patron saint of all those who chose nonviolence but were violently killed nonetheless. So when you say violence begets violence, it doesn't mean that nonviolence will protect you from any violence, right? We live in in countries. We we're surrounded by violent people, people who don't believe what we believe and so yes it 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 
is a possibility that if you choose to be nonviolent, you may be violently killed nonetheless. Um, it's a possibility. Uh, and I don't know what to say about that necessarily. Um, except to say maybe, you know, that's a great death. If you want to think of as, you know, one death being better than another, I think that's a good way to die. You're following in, in the footsteps of your Lord Jesus Christ, and, and you know, that's, that's a path that can be open to you. Um, I don't think you will regret it uh, in the grand scheme of things. I know there will be collateral damage. There will be people here that miss you and that wished you maybe would not have chosen that path. Uh, but in the end, the path of nonviolence is the way of Christ. This world was created by Christ. Um, and not going his way, you know, choosing our own way to be in the world is what brought about violence in the first place. Uh, you know, back to the legend of Cain and Abel, a legendary story about violence solving uh, disputes, right? Jealousy. Um, and I guess before that, the, the story of Satan and Eve, the snake, right, the serpent and Eve. Uh, the serpent was, in a sense, violent to God. He he disparaged the character of God, saying that, telling Eve that God had lied, right? And so he, God was mischaracterized by Satan, which led Eve to sin, which led Adam to sin, which led them to being uh, expelled from the garden, Uh, which led to um, Cain and Abel's murder, perhaps, and lots of other sin. Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm getting a little sleepy. I may just cut this off quick. But anyway, on 9-11, I will say that I am, I am sad for what happened for the many thousands of lives who were lost. I'm sad that that there were people, enemies, enemies of America who uh, chose violence uh, to to make a point or to to injure or to, to get payback on America. But I do know that America's violence in the past is what led to that. Why don't people turn the lights? I just don't understand. Um, and America has a long history of, of interjecting violently um, into other disputes, uh, which, which is the fuel that these terrorists used to justify what they did in New York and not just in New York, other places as well. Um, violence begets violence. Somebody has to stop the cycle. 
The question is, who's going to be big enough? Who's going to be smart enough to step in and say, yeah, we're, we're not going to, we're going to stop the cycle. We're going to get out of it. Uh, come what may, come what may, we will no longer solve disputes by violence or the threat of violence in any way, shape, or form. And until that happens, you are you are announcing to the world that you are going to participate in the uh, violent ways of the world, right? You're basically putting a target on your back, saying, "If I want something for, from you, I'm going to take it with violence." And because we we put ourselves in the world that way, then we can expect the same. We can expect other people to be the same. And the thing is, every empire has come and gone. No empire has lasted. No empire built on violence has lasted. They all come, they all rise to power, and they all die. And they all die a violent death. All of them. Right? They're defeated by somebody else. Question is who's you know who's going to defeat America? Who's going to bring America's demise? And America's demise is coming. History tells us, even Jesus tells us, because we've lived by the sword. You live by the sword, you will die by the sword. That it that goes for individuals and that goes for countries as well. So that's our future, America. Um, because we are not a Christian nation. America is not a Christian nation. If we were, we wouldn't be violent. There's no other way shape, there's no other way to think about it. You can't call yourself a Christian and not follow Christ. It's just dumb. I'm tired of it. I'm, I'm just sick to death of it. I'm sick of seeing it on Facebook. I'm sick of people not realizing that they are worshiping a country. Um, I'm fed up with it. And I don't know... There's nothing to be done, right? I mean, there's nothing I can do about it. It's sad, but it's sick and it's disgusting. It's just disgusting. I just pray that the Holy Spirit continue to... Uh, do his thing and that you know people will be healed to the point where they realize Uncle Sam is not Jesus um, I just hope that day comes I, I know it'll come sometime I, I would love to see it but even so it's not a dispute that I can sol solve with violence, you know. It's not. That would make me a hypocrite. <clears throat> it wouldn't be the first time, but I'd rather not do it willfully. <sighs> yeah, you can't beat the violence out of somebody. You just can't. You're just putting more in unless you kill them. And then you've done violence to yourself, which that's the case anyway.
So who's who's it going to be? Who's going to stand up and just say, "I refuse to settle disputes with violence." None of us have done it perfectly up to this point. All of us have used it at some point, most likely, some kind of violence. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I hope more and more people are brave enough to, to take that stance. Uh, brave enough to, uh, as Brian Zond and, and, and others have done, to, to be a, a voice of reason uh, a voice of peace. Uh, we need more peacemakers and fewer peacekeepers um, in the world. I pray that my girls become peacemakers. I know. I know some of, some of them have that bent already. That that's that's kind of. Uh, what they are and I digress so I'm gonna stop it here and uh, yeah um, thank you guys for listening and have a wonderful week bye bye